Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Gael, the CEO of StarTailors. StarTailors is a Luxembourg-based fintech company that has developed a sustainable investing platform and that aims at empowering women with regards to their finances. We will discuss several interesting topics, the pay gap between men and women and how we can bridge that gap, why it is even more important for women to take back control over their finances, and why, yes, it is true, I've read it before, why women are better investors than us men. <laughs> uh, Gail will of course share the why behind StarTailors and how StarTailors is creating a better future through sustainable finance for both men and women. So even though she defines uh, StarTailors as your woman's BFF, it is as well for us men. This episode is for you if you feel underpaid at work and do not know how to address the issue. In that regard, Gail's story is pretty compelling. And as well, if you have not started yet to work on your financial goals. And again, I repeat, it's not a woman-only episode. It's for all of us. The lessons and the tips that you will hear apply to all of us. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Gail. How are you doing today? Hello, Jonathan. Very well. Thank you. And yes. You? I'm excited to speak to you. Glad to see you again. I mean, we've been fellow students together back in the days. So I'm glad to have you on. And uh, yeah, it's been quite a number of years. Let's not uh, go into the numbers. Um, but anyway, so I'm glad to have you because uh, we are here in Luxembourg. For the listeners, we are doing this uh, in person. So we are um, at the premises of StarTailors, your company. Yeah. So you're the CEO and founder of StarTailors. So maybe you can give us a little bit of a, a general pitch of what StarTailor is and, and the mission behind StarTailors? Sure, with pleasure. So StarTailors is women's BFF, best financial friend. So we empower women and men, but especially uh, women to take ownership of their financial future by investing according to their values. So we make sure that they achieve their financial goals long-term while investing through companies that match their impact preferences. That's in short what, uh, what we do at StarTailors. Okay, v very interesting. I really like the mission. So how long have you been um, at the head of StarTailors? We created the company together with my founders, Thierry, in 2018. Okay. So we're going to celebrate the third anniversary in May. Okay, excellent, yeah. excellent. So what have you been doing up to now? We've been focusing a lot on financial education uh, mm -hmm. until now. So we, you know, we both have a background in, in banking. Uh, I, I was a management consultant uh, right after business school mm -hmm. and then joined a wealth management firm where I met my co-founder. And to test the market before yeah. applying for, you know, this big license, building this um, quite uh, heavy uh, investment management infrastructure that we are building right now, uh, we focused on investment management, on, on financial education before doing investment management with a special focus on um, two missions that is very dear to, to the company. The first one is getting as, as many women as possible mm -hmm. to start investing. And I guess we'll come to that topic in a minute. And the second is to promote sustainable uh, finance mm -hmm. um, as a, I would say, more than an asset class, but really an investment philosophy. So yeah. basically reconciling doing good and mm -hmm. uh, doing well. Yeah. Okay. So quite a, a, an extensive experience in finance. And um, yeah, I'm interested because I wanted to have you on because of course I followed you. I mean, we are friends, we are connected, but okay, it's been a while, but we, I recently saw you're really focused on women and sustainable investing and that's all good. And I'm curious, okay, you're a woman, obviously, yeah. but, but, but why the, the focus on, um, on women? I mean, was there no focus on women? while you were working in, in your previous experience? Yes, that, that's one of the reasons. It's both a, a personal journey and, mm -hmm. and also actually a reconciliation between, you know, a personal journey and my professional Perfect. one. You know, we had lunch together <laughs> right before and, and we both discussed about like how coming from a business school, having a, a, a major in finance, 
Uh, it took us quite a while uh, before we started Entering investing. The, exactly. the stock markets, etc. And uh, turns out that uh, today only 10% of women invest. Uh, so it's half as many as men, just to give you a, a flavor. Okay, that's uh, not a lot. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's really not a lot. And it, it's a real problem, especially for women, because they are confronted with a number of, um, of issues of reality mm-hmm. today in their professional life that has an impact on their savings potential. Uh, so they, they basically earn less. You, you, you know, you certainly heard about this pay gap uh, yeah, that is gap, roughly yeah. 20%. Mm-hmm. But that's also, uh, it's actually worse than that because 20% is the pay gap when you compare Apple to Apple. Mm-hmm. The reality is they have less linear careers. Uh, they are more prone to take, uh, you know, disproportionate responsibility in family priorities. Mm-hmm. So whenever you have children, whenever you have elderly uh, parents, still disproportionately, I would say, women mm-hmm. tend to step down. Yeah. Or have a less, you know, um, successful, uh, successful is, you know, it depends on how you measure <laughs> how success, you define it, a less yeah. lucrative career. Let's, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So they earn less. So even if they are good savers, even though, you know, there's a legend that actually women spend more, but that's <laughs> not true. In reality, proportionally, they save more mm-hmm. than men. They save more of their income, but they have, you know, smaller income. So in absolute value, it's true that they save less. Okay. You understand what the yeah. difference? Okay. And so they save less. And on top of that, they don't make their money work for them. Because the stock market is open for everybody. Exactly. But culturally and from an education perspective, it's not something that they naturally go to. And, and there are a number of reasons for that. Mm-hmm. But to, to give you the, the consequence before talking about the root causes and yes. how we can address that, the consequence is that this 20% pay gap mm-hmm. actually becomes a 40% capital gap at retirement. Yes. So basically, you know, women like me and, and, and anyone have 40% less capital mm-hmm. to live through retirement and we live five years longer. Yes. Yeah, so so, so like, it's, you know, the perfect storm. Yeah, it's like the compound interest in reverse, you know, like exactly compound effect. Yeah. And that's really when I started researching and, and digging uh, into that topic, uh, it really resonated. I was like, this is really unfair. Yet at the same time, when I say unfair, I'm not talking about self-inflicted uh, pain in a way because mm-hmm. the pay gap uh, the differences in, in in how you you manage your professional life etc all of this you know men have a lot of you know influence they can they can help reduce those gaps they can become allies but your own attitude towards money and and towards investment this is actually something that you can very well yeah. do yourself it doesn't matter if you're black or white or woman exactly or man. yeah uh, but mm-hmm. it matters that you are educated yeah. and that's the f- very first men or women, you see a big correlation, obviously, between financial education, mm-hmm. financial confidence, which is still a difference uh, than financial education, and the level of activity in the stock market. Mm-hmm. And that's really the key point, And that's why we focused uh, also a lot on financial education when I started this journey, because it all starts with getting women financially educated, mm-hmm. because by doing so, you first eradicate the objective gap in financial education, which comes from how you raise your children, how we have been raised. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about your family, but in Mm -hmm. my family, even though my father was a banker, he has been quite open about, you know, money, money management and so on. But still, like culturally, it's not something that you consider as a skill you need to teach your children, like you would teach them to write, to read, Mm -hmm. to calculate. You know, it's it's more Mm -hmm. something that you learn by coincidence or that you're supposed to know because you see your parents doing it, but without actually being taught. Yeah. Globally, I think it's the same, but especially for girls, at least in the past, it's changing, luckily. Mm-hmm. It was really not something that you were talking about with your daughter mm-hmm. and uh, mother-daughter conversation even less. So it's, it's, you know, you didn't really have role yeah. models, to be honest. So financial education is the first one. But then, linked to that, mm-hmm. and sorry, don't cut me off. No, no, you. I mean, please go on, go <laughs> on. It, I'm, I'm really passionate about the topic, but it's supposed to be a, a dialogue, so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll shut up afterwards. No worries. Um, the, the last point is confidence. Mm-hmm. You have an objective gap in financial education between men and women. But when you correct this gap for confidence, uh, and, and I can, I'm very happy to share a, a concrete <laughs> example if you want, you realize that uh, there's a lot about confidence more than, than actual knowledge. Yeah. So even women that think they know less, 
when you try to objectivize this by having a questionnaire, for instance, mm -hmm. you realize that a third of the gap observed is, is just a confidence gap. They know the answer, mm -hmm. but they don't dare uh, uh, speaking it out because they're not sure of, uh, of the answer. Okay, and here I have a question uh, because I talked about this uh, privately with a friend. Uh, her name is Elisa. Uh, she's as well been, uh, we shot a video uh, on salary negotiation. And um, okay, she, she's a career specialist. And then she was, we, we had a private chat because just, um, she's my friend. And we mentioned this topic about negotiating your salary as a woman, which of course, over the lifespan of a career can make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And we, you spoke about confidence. So how does that work together? Do you think women are less confident in negotiating salaries or do you know, do you have any specifics on that uh, mm. stats or I don't know? Uh, uh, I have a very good video. Uh, <laughs> um, from uh, Christine Lagarde mm -hmm. um, that was on social media a week ago. So it's very recent mm -hmm. where she basically speaks about uh, quotas mm -hmm. and uh, whether merit-based uh, organizations are enough to promote diversity and get to gender parity. Mm -hmm. And what she says is it's not because there are so many bias, gaps and educational uh, bias that you need to overcome. One mm -hmm. of them being negotiation and, and confidence in negotiating. She says not once in her 30 year career, both at a law firm, you know, she was a lawyer mm -hmm. before, or at um, the ministry, the, the, ministry, the, IMF. Um, the IMF and now uh, the central bank, has she met a woman who was proactively negotiating her salary? She said that she cannot count the number of men she actually saw proactively coming to her and saying, <laughs> yeah. you know, I did a good job. I think I deserve to be promoted or I deserve mm -hmm. to, to, to have a salary increase. Not once has she seen a woman do the same. That's, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's really uh, uh, like, but, but when I think of it, I'm not surprised because mm -hmm. in the past, uh, so like before being an entrepreneur, I was working at the bank and I was also doing uh, a lot of uh, recruitment. Mm -hmm. um, and also there, you see that women very rarely negotiate their mm -hmm. entry salary. Men do that constantly. Yes. I mean, it's just like by default, because that's one of the, and it's true, huh? that is one of the key opportunity to get actually mm -hmm. a pay increase. It's on average 10%. Yeah. So if you don't do that at this moment, it's very difficult afterwards when you're within yes. the same employer. Yeah, but because women then don't do that. if there's an increase of 2% or 3%, yeah. I don't know. But the gap keeps increasing, actually. Mm. So it's, it's very uh, interesting. Now, of course, we're generalizing here. You mm. will have, I'm sure you'll have uh, <laughs> women listening to that who will say, not true, you know, I'm a very fierce negotiator. Mm. Uh, likewise, you will also see men who says, well, actually, I've never negotiated my salary. But statistically, you know, if we're talking big numbers, it, it, this, this is really uh, staggering. It's, it's amazing to see how those differences are. And... You, you mentioned your friends. Um, yeah. I actually have a, uh, a good friend of mine who specialized in that oh. next to her day okay. job. So mm -hmm. she's a corporate lawyer. And uh, next to that, she has started that movement about, well, how would you call it in English? Uh, my own value, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's like being paid what you're worth yeah. uh, and asking what it, for what you're worth. Yeah, that's what yeah. it's about. It's not about having the best salary, the highest salary in the mm. company, it's about, okay, this is what I bring to the table. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and it's also, it's a question of visibility. Mm -hmm. It's a question of also having that conversation about, okay, you know, this is what I've done over the mm -hmm. past year. Yeah. Again, women tend to think that, you know, it's, they just need to work hard and be good. Mm -hmm. And uh, their manager, the organization will automatically reward that. Yeah. And actually, um, my experience has taught me that it's not necessarily the one that works the hardest and that, you know, complies the, the best that gets the reward at the end. It's you need to you need to be good. I mean, there's also a limited uh, lifetime for people who just, you know, speak mm -hmm. very loudly, but don't <laughs> execute yeah. yet in the first month and years. This can actually pay off, you know, <laughs> but over the long run, you need to be good. You need to deliver. You need to perform. However, you also need to show and, yes. and, and talk about it and make it visible. Yes, yeah. indeed. Okay, very good. So we talked about financial literacy. There's a gap, confidence. And uh, of course, then I'm curious, how, how do we, well, there's a third topic, but okay, how do we bridge this gap? How, mm. how do we bring this confidence? Because to me, you know, I'm, um, I'm a man, let's say, I don't know, whatever I do, 
But if the, the woman does the same as me, let's say I'm a salesman, so that's easy. I sell 100 units, the woman sells 100 units, I mean, I should be paid the same. Mm-hmm. And in my work day job, I mean, if she does the same, I have no problem with her earning her the same. Yeah. So, so I don't know, it's what can we do to, to get to this uh, stage? It's a very good uh, question, Jonathan, because you say, I don't have, I don't see why I should be paid differently. Mm-hmm. But the first question is, do you actually know whether you're paid differently? And this transparency mm-hmm. is the first step to, um, to start bridging the gap. Mm-hmm. And I have a personal experience. <laughs> I was working as a consultant in my first you know, job mm-hmm. out of uh, uh, business school. And it's supposed to be fully merit-based, which basically means that for someone who enters the firm the same day as you, mm-hmm. at the same position, you should be paid exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And then the only difference in your salary comes from how fast you progress. Okay. And they take this uh, shortcut by saying it's your years towards partnership. Mm-hmm. So if based on your performance, they think you'll make it to partner in five years, mm-hmm. then your salary increase on a yearly basis is much steeper than the, someone else who they say, mm, he Maybe, will make it in eight. Mm. And it's very transparent and merit-based in theory because every six months you know where you stand. Just turned out completely by coincidence that uh, after two years in the job, I was talking to a male colleague who started exactly the same day Mm -hmm. as I did. And he actually was one grade higher than I was. So he was paid more at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I got promoted to the next level and then the level after on the same day Speed. as him. Oh, but yeah. So I actually was six months faster yeah. than he was. So in theory, I should be paid more. I should have, you know, yes. overcome. And actually, I was paid 20% less. 20% less. But you would not know if you didn't, I mean, if it exactly. was not a good friend. Or, yeah. And it was completely, because I was wow. not even <laughs> probing. I was so convinced mm-hmm. that the system was transparent and fair that the only reason we talked about it is because we talked about house prices. Mm-hmm. And he just had bought a house and he was doing renovation, etc. And I was like, yeah, you know, uh, we're considering buying an apartment, but uh, I mean, it's not easy, etc. And, and then the, the, my friend was challenging me, said, like, come on, with the salary we earn. <laughs> and then I was like, um, but I started to be a bit puzzled because I was like, yeah, I mean, uh, still, uh, <laughs> it's, it's quite heavy. You know, we yeah. live in Luxembourg. And then that's how we compare. So like, but what salary are we talking about? Actually, yeah, yeah. And then when we realized that we were both, both mm-hmm. actually completely uh, speechless, then, of course, I went to see my manager. Mm. Not because I thought I wasn't paid enough, but because I thought it was just unfair. Yeah, 20%. I mean, it's not... Exactly. <laughs> and um, his answer, so my manager's answer was, yeah, obviously, you know, there's a mistake there. Um, mm-hmm. Let's ask uh, the HR department where this is coming from. Mm-hmm. Cut a long story short, uh, the first answer from the HR was, you know, it's because he did a six-month transfer to uh, um, our South African office, which was true. And they have higher salaries and, you know, you did not yet compensate. So he's actually paid more than what he should, because when he came back, we didn't Mm -hmm. want to decrease his salary. But don't worry, Uh, you know, you'll have a higher bonus because you perform better. And at that time, you know, actually, I didn't even challenge that. I was like, okay, you know, the story makes sense. Yes. Fine. So I let it go. Um, Did get paid my bonus. Mm -hmm. Didn't even ask whether I was paid the same at the end or not. Mm. One year later. Uh, again, appraisal time. And this time, of course, consciously, we looked at yeah, each yeah. other. It was still 18%. And mm-hmm. it was also a more difficult time. So bonuses were frozen. So, you know, this, this uh, illusion that it's total compensation that matters, not the fixed salary, because, you know, you get a mm-hmm. higher bonus, yes. only works when you actually get bonuses, you know, yes. if one year it's more time. So I was like, okay, no, that done with it. Um, <laughs> and then I went and I said, look, it's very simple. I've been nice and I've been probing 12 months ago. You told me this would be, you know, erased Mm -hmm. naturally. (laughs) There's only 2% of the gap that actually got erased naturally. We're still, we're talking about 18%. Mm -hmm. And if I look factually at both our cases, the only difference between him and me is that I'm a woman and he's a man. So it's up to you, but I'm pretty sure that if I put that to any kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. lawyer or whatever, uh, this would not hold. And then they said, you know, no question, we will increase your, your pay. 
Wow. But the last word was, don't tell anyone. <laughs> don't tell anyone. And I said, well, if there's one thing you can be sure of, is I'm going to tell everybody because this is just not yeah, fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you see, even in merit-based Anglo-Saxon mm -hmm. culture, etc., it still happens. And it's not conscious. Huh? So it's not that they wanted to discriminate uh, mm -hmm. against women. It's just that because of whatever historical reason, etc., it happened. He probably negotiated his entry level. I never did because I thought, you know, they're just the grid yeah. and the grid mm -hmm. is the grid. You have to play by the rules. Well, actually, no. <laughs> um, and and I, I've never probed. So it was simply that. Mm -hmm. And it was like two or two and a half years work. But just imagine how it can actually dwell yeah, when after you, five years, after 10, 10 years, years, it's yeah. a significant uh, opportunity cost. So mm -hmm. always that's the first thing is like you have to earn it, then you have to save it, then you have to invest it. The first thing is, as you said, earn, earn it, it. Yeah. and know your worth. And so to answer what can you do is yeah. always actually probe and be an ally by saying like, hey, by the way, you know, how, how, how has it been going mm. uh, with the, the latest uh, evaluation, etc. And, and just compare salary just yeah. to see if it's fair. That's for me a, a good way to help, because if you uncover mm -hmm. uh, discrimination, at least she is aware of that and you can also support it yeah because, because i've done this in my previous jobs i mean not going to hr but to kind of compare a bit but it's usually with good good friends that you you kind of know okay they are this and that then it, then you're okay then you know i didn't really test it with women <laughs> mm. it's more like two or three guys and uh, yeah it's it's something to do and i've seen it as well on social media some uh, people on twitter and they discovered as well, like even, okay, you, you talk about your early career, but even in 2019, 2020, this still happens. And even in Luxembourg. So it uh, doesn't matter where. So yeah it's, yeah, it's good to have maybe a few friends trusting and then, then you can really challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I fully agree with you, but it's, mm -hmm. it's you know... But it's, it's difficult like for people saying. to open up. Exactly. It's, it's still taboo. Everything related yeah. to money is so taboo. Yeah. And, and you just have to realize that if you don't talk about it, that's where the likelihood of the system mm -hmm. being opaque and, and unfair, and it's not only just men vis-a-vis uh, -vis women, huh? mm -hmm. it's actually any type of minority is usually Correct. suffering from discrimination, unconscious again. So I really want to emphasize on the fact that mm -hmm. it's not like there's a, you know, a devil in the system that actually points out. No, it's, it's legacy, it's culture. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It's also, uh, how can I say, uh, this kind of the, I'm, I'm saying about the boys club, because that's effectively what it is, but it's not to point at men. It's just to say like the world of business is dominated still by, you know, uh, white middle-aged yeah. men. Mm -hmm. And you, you have this tendency of conforming and it's nothing to do against, I don't want women. I don't want minorities. I don't want people of color. I don't want people with disabilities, etc. in my company. It's more that naturally you don't think about inclusion. You look at mm -hmm. someone and he looks like you and it's similar, it's comforting. And that's what you would do if you don't pay attention. And so uh, this diversity issue is all about uncovering this bias mm -hmm. and, and being, starting be, to be conscious about all the bias you have as a human being in a civilization and in a culture that is still very monoprofile. Mm -hmm. And beware that this attitude leads to a lot of unfair uh, and, and um, yeah, unfair treatments that need to be uh, mm -hmm. that need to be corrected. Dealt with, yeah, corrected. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very good. I'd like to move on to the investing world. Yeah. Uh, as well, um, because and with women still, because you mentioned uh, in the beginning. Okay, there is a problem of financial literacy, which needs to be addressed. And I think this, I think in the, as a general, it can be. It is improving. Now you mentioned that uh, women can save less, but from what I heard and, and, uh, and read, women are actually better investors. Yeah. So, so uh, how come that is? So women who do invest, yeah. indeed, so there are like much less women, but the women who do uh, have uh, on average one to 2% better net performance. I, I have an idea why, but can you explain where that sure. comes from? So. <laughs> Um, women tend to invest longer term mm -hmm. and more um, and less into speculative or less trading habits. Yeah. 
Thus, they trade less. Thus, they pay less transaction fees. Mm -hmm. And that's how they save this 1% to 2% performance. So it's not so much that they make better investment decisions, if you want. It's more that they hold on to them. They're more diligent in a way. Exactly. And they, they are less panic uh oh, they play good. less panic football if you if you yeah, want yeah. so so they really uh invest with a longer uh horizon horizon which makes basically that their you know average turnover is much mm. lower and you know that especially for retail investors uh, one of the key factors that deteriorates your performance is the trading costs yeah uh, so by just trading less they generate mm. on average one to two percent better net performance yes. per year and, and I like because it, it links a bit to uh, the, this confidence aspect because men, I mean us <laughs> dudes, we may be too overconfident with investing, which is uh, yeah, which is normal. I mean, we want to, to try stuff, we want to to pick the right stock, and uh, yeah, find the stock that will hundred uh, x or the bit or the cryptocurrency. Why not? And uh, indeed, then maybe I don't know if this has to do with women like being more cautious uh, as well. Yeah. Well, actually, that, that's a false belief. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of risk profile, uh, once they invest, again, and, and that makes a big difference because, yes. as I told you, only 10% invest. So, but still, if you look at that, once they are investing, the risk appetite is more linked to, like it should be, um, their financial situation, their mm -hmm. personal financial situation, uh, where they are in the life cycle. Yeah. Um, and how educated they are rather than the fact of the gender. Mm -hmm. um, so they're not more risk averse once they invest mm -hmm. than, than a man. There are like factors which I explain much the, more. The, yeah. It's actually the jump, the jump to, before get in, yeah. to get there. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I was thinking, um, okay, women are better investors long term. And it's a bit Warren Buffett style, which I like. Yeah. A bit conservative, but with a long term perspective. But do you know any um, female investors that are well known? I mean, we always talk about Warren Buffett, David Lynch, uh, this guy, that guy. That's a, and that's another uh, very uh, yeah. um, big thing: is you cannot be what you cannot see. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are many, uh, you know, good fund managers uh, that are women, mm -hmm. but they are less, you know, Exposed. terrified. Yeah. Exactly. They also, if you look at. Uh, the performance, they're also in funds which are, again, have a longer term strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, also, all the sustainability, uh, but in a broad sense, uh, that's also where women fund managers um, are more present. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, it, yeah, it, it's, it's very interesting how you see that. Again, I believe it's a question of rarity. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say, I would love to say that women are better and more intelligent <laughs> and whatever. No, it's just that. Uh, it's this, the, 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 the factor of the rarity and the minority is mm -hmm. today to be a successful fund manager or successful women in finance, uh, you have to stand out. You have to be twice as good just because, you know, you, you, you're mm -hmm. not fitting. Yeah. Um, so there's a selection bias, if you want, because yeah. the women who are well known are usually, uh, you know, like the one that really survived a hostile mm -hmm. environment and so yeah they are they are very good mm -hmm. but you know there's i think it's simone de beauvoir i'm not sure who said like you know the day where uh gender equality will really be uh, uh live mm -hmm. is when you'll have um, mediocre women at leadership position <laughs> uh and, and and that's the reality yeah, it's, true. Um, yeah. it's you know again consulting is it was the same as we realized that we had quite a decent percentage of uh, junior uh, uh, women uh, that, uh, that entered, but then less and less. And however, the average rating, performance rating mm -hmm. of female consultants was higher than the average men. So let's say given that, you know, it's a distributed curve, yeah. in, in normally you should have, um, the average should be average. And actually, the average performance of women consultants was good to outstanding yeah. because there was a bias in the curve. Why? Because the way the selection process worked mm -hmm. was based on typical, how do you say that, hard skills, if you want. And women, again, I don't think it's, a, it's, it's innate, it's, it's acquired, it's yeah. education, uh, culture. Women tend to be trained in soft skills yeah. as well. 
So a woman that performs on a hard skill uh, interview and that has these soft skills that has been developed because that's what we are asked to do, then actually is, you know, better on, on yeah. more dimension than an average uh, man. Mm -hmm. And that's why you had those cubes. Well, it's yeah. exactly the same in, um, in, 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 in finance. Today, you still see like remarkable women lead. Well, you see the, the central bank, the international um, monetary funds now, uh, the European, they're all like led by women like mm -hmm. this. For the moment, there's an alignment, if you yeah. want, of planet. But I guess it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's just the beginning. And uh, uh, it shouldn't be like that either. I mean, no, uh, it's true. But um, that's for me, there's still a, a selection bias. And I hope that one day, yeah. you, you know, we, we won't say about like, oh, yeah, you know, this remarkable women. No, it's just like, OK, you know, there's one woman that has made it to the top. Yes. Uh, and next time this will be a man or next time it will be a woman. It's irrelevant. Yes, yeah. I understand. Uh, and of course, Star Tailors is it has this mission to empower women. Mm -hmm. So how, how are you concretely doing? I mean, I know you make you, you have uh, webinars. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of information on your website and you're developing. So what concrete actions are you taking to drive towards that? Uh, so, as I said, uh, a women investor, one she invests, uh, doesn't have, well, she still has patterns that mm. are slightly different. Uh, but actually, it's not like you should design products which are designed for women or that you should design things that are only for women. No, it's more the approach and how you mm -hmm. get them uh, to invest. Uh, that makes the difference. So the first is, I just want to, to precise that we are inclusive. So it's not that we don't let men invest with our platform. It's more like we proactively reach out to women yeah. mm -hmm. to hope that um, unlike other platforms where you have 20% uh, female representation in trading platforms and 80% men, we'll have a 50-50. That, that would be the dream uh, goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how have we done it? We've done like hundreds of interviews with, um, with women uh, to understand what is holding them back today yeah. and what mm. would click. There are three main uh, factors. The first one is work on the education. Yeah. Um, so that's why we're doing those webinars. That's why mm -hmm. we have this uh, newsletter. So I'm developing a lot of content and also uh, speaking up a lot about uh, mm -hmm. women and investing and how investing can be fun, simple, and rewarding. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one thing. And do it in a smart but non-jargon way. You have this tendency in finance to love jargon. The correlation, the asset portfolio. Exactly. Whatever, and yeah. it's completely not uh, needed. You can really explain most of the concepts that you need as a retail investor in layman terms. Yeah. You don't need to be that techie. But... I've seen my analysts when I was working at the bank, they like those because it makes them, you know, it Expert. makes them, exactly. But really, I really had this feeling when I was working at the bank that a KPI for a newsletter was that nobody would actually understand mm -hmm. what you write. And that would make a good newsletter because then you feel like you are the expert mm -hmm. and it's, you know, this mysterious cryptic <laughs> newsletter for, for customers. Whereas I have the complete opposite direction. It's like, eventually it's my money. So I deserve to know what is being done with my money. Mm -hmm. yeah. And even if I choose to delegate the management of it, well, uh, I'm the one uh, who okay. can ask any question and I can, I should actually expect from my, my investment manager to understand, to understand to explain and explain it mm -hmm. in terms that I understand. I don't have to have a PhD in finance to get him. Uh, he needs to get at the level where he can explain it to me. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're trying to do. And second, you remember I mentioned confidence. Yes. So it's not just about making complex things simple. And, but I'm saying simple. I prefer the word smart. It's like, you know, women are brilliant and smart uh, people. It's just that they dare saying when they don't know <laughs> more than that. And it's honestly, it's normal. Compounding interest, correlation, all of this. Except if you, you know, if you've done math, science or finance, mm. uh, it's not things that you deal with every day. Correct. So honestly, there should be no shame in saying, I don't really understand what you mm. mean by that. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. But so the confidence is built in different ways. So first is I've been there. Honestly, uh, there are many other people, smart people who also uh, don't get it at first time. It's normal. So it's also like 
getting the guilt and the shame out mm -hmm. by role modeling, by testimonials, by creating this community. I mm -hmm. think uh, the, this change of peer-to-peer -peer exchange is very important. And the second is validating the knowledge. So what I mean by that is, uh, you remember I said women are uh, underconfident and men are overconfident about mm -hmm. their knowledge? Yes. Well, the fact of uh, getting factual about this to say, okay, let's stop saying that you don't know anything about finance. Let's ask a few questions and see if you actually know the answer. Mm -hmm. And saying like, well, actually, you know, you have scored three out of five, which is more than 50% yeah. of the population, men and women. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, actually, I'm, I'm, you know, much better than I thought. And that's the, um, the, the thing we do when we get into what we call the onboarding. You know, when you open an account, you fill in your um, mm -hmm. investor profile. Yeah. Well, we actually ask questions about your financial education and we ask your confidence level. So, uh, for instance, uh, do you know what a, a share is? And we're going to give you three answers and you say, okay, it's answer B. Mm -hmm. And we say, how confident are you that answer B is the right answer? Mm -hmm. Okay. And at the end of the questionnaire, we played back on her by saying, actually, your level of financial education is good or average or uh, versus the rest of the population. And your confidence level is lower. So you underestimate Oh, your that's, own, that's interesting. Uh, your yeah. own education, and that helps them. It's a bit of an external validation to say, well, first you don't need to be an expert in everything to Correct. start investing, mm -hmm. and second, you know enough because mm -hmm. that's an, another point. Is they tend to to think that they need to know everything about everything before starting, which actually is not true. You can start by doing, yeah, little by little, exactly, and uh, and then. You know, basically playing it back on her on way that where they stand versus the community, mm -hmm. where they stand versus the average population. So that's the second thing. It's like factualizing uh, beliefs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the next step is learning by doing exactly as you said. And for that, the idea is to get the barriers out. So no minimum uh, investment. So really finding things where you can start with as little as 20 euro, mm -hmm. but encouraging uh, investors, and I'm encouraging like any to do the same, is um, factualize when you're ready to invest. So we're doing this again. We have a tool that says how much do you need in emergency funding, you know, mm -hmm. like this cash that you need to set aside and calculating based on your income expenses and active and passive. Mm -hmm. What's your current investable capital, if any? Uh, if not, how much, how far away are you from uh, being able to, able to invest? Mm -hmm. And what's the ideal monthly uh, investable amount that you should actually start investing? Mm -hmm. So again, getting factual, leaving the decision to uh, the, the investor, obviously it's your money, but putting some you know, facts behind this fear, uh, mm -hmm. anxiety, beliefs, and all of this. And uh, being able to start with small amounts so that we say, okay, you know, you're ready to invest, but you know what? Take 12 months if you need to start investing small amounts mm -hmm. and getting used to the ups and downs of uh, stock yeah. markets mm -hmm. without having, you know, an exposure that keeps you awake at night. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm -hmm. And for that, again, I don't want to, to you know, to, 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 how do you say that? Um, being a sales pitch. So it's just that we make it easy and we've decided to lower the barrier to entry from a fee perspective and also mm -hmm. from a minimum amount perspective. It's really like just go, get started and we'll accompany you along the way. Mm -hmm. We are just one call away if you have a... Yeah, very good. Uh, like, yeah. And so that's, um, so we talked about it at lunchtime. So this is actually a wealth management for the retail investors. Yeah, it's really actually. about that. Because you have a lot of trading platforms that mm -hmm. have developed over the past, let's say, decades, mm -hmm. uh, which I think are great because they've really... Um, democratized. Exactly. Yeah. They democratize trading. Lower fees, etc. Yes. But the reality is it's time consuming. Mm -hmm. And it's not because you can trade easily that you make the right decision for your long-term savings. Uh, it's just like, you know, you can self-heal a lot of small diseases, mm -hmm. but when you really want to be, uh, you know, to stay fit, you will always have, you know, the need for a doctor to do a checkup and also uh, get you to, um, you know, how do you say that? What's the right mm -hmm. habits to form? And, and that's exactly what we do. Yes, because, you know, it's easy, for example, to 
to open these apps, I don't know, Bug Zero, Digiro, whatever, mm. uh, interactive brokers. But it's not like there's going to be some guy that accompanies you mm. or Piano um, Bolero, where I'm a customer. Okay, they have a lot of courses. But sometimes, like, okay, should I buy this stock or not? And if you're not used to it, if you don't do your diligence, and if you're new to it, there's a lot of psychology. You, you can read as much, okay, I, I'll buy Coca-Cola. It's nice, but if it goes, if it dips, the psychology, they don't really help. Okay, they're doing their best. But here it's more like, okay, mm. you educate to, to build this confidence. Yeah. So this is a component that is missing. Okay. And we're also using uh, behavioral finance mm -hmm. to try to anticipate for every investor when is the right time to communicate. Ah. Because what you're saying is, is, is very valid, is every human being is on average uh, twice as much sensitive to a loss than to a gain. Yes. So meaning you'll be, you'll be two times more pissed off by uh, losing uh, 100 than by gaining 200. Correct. Did you see my, what I mean? Yes. So, uh, however, for you, the, the tipping point is the law of big numbers. You know, it's, it's actually, there's a tipping point where, your, uh, where this will start to play. If it's mm. small numbers, you will gamble you will, because you say like, you know, I, I, it's, it's okay if I lose because it's a very small amount. As soon as you reach a certain level, mm -hmm. this loss aversion will, will really kick in. Yes. And it, it actually depends on, uh, you know, your individual choices. Mm -hmm. When we open an account, uh, we actually test this with our oh. uh, algorithm and we try to then, and, and we are working on it. Also, mm. I'm being very humble. It's something that will um, we'll fine tune and we want to, to be better and better, but to understand, okay, with Jonathan, I know that as soon as there's a drop of 5%, mm -hmm. I will need to remind him that this is normal. Yeah, that, okay. you know, it was to be expected. Markets go up and down. Mm -hmm. This is the worst moment to sell or maybe not. But at least if it's the worst moment to sell, to restate why. You know it already, mm -hmm. but we're restating because that's exactly the moment where you are more vulnerable. Yes. If you want. Mm -hmm. Because that's where your emotions kick in, etc. With me, it might be 10%. So I will actually say, oh, why do you bother every time, you know, stock markets go mm -hmm. down by 5%? It's fine. You know, I, mm -hmm. I don't need it. So that's where we kick in in a different way. Okay. Another thing is, if you open your app every day yes. to look at how your, how your investments are doing, the more you open it, the higher the probability that you will start selling. You, you mm. see? Because yes. there's this reinforcement. Every time you open it, the message in your head goes again. Oh, I'm losing. Oh, I'm losing. Oh, I'm losing. Oh, I'm losing. Yes. So there, very simple nudge is to say, Jonathan, we noticed that over the past three days, you've <laughs> repeatedly looked at your investments. You actually have a time horizon of 20 years, 20 years yes. or even five years. So, you know, just go on with your life, do something else, but don't touch this app again yes, yes. for the next week. And, and those kind of things is what we're trying to do oh, to, great. again, promote sound behaviors and try to correct, even though we cannot correct all bias, mm. the bias we can is just, um, you know, making you more conscious about those bias. Mm. Voilà. Oh, that's great. That's what we, and that's, you know, irrelevant of uh, women or men uh, yeah, uh, yeah. behavior that this actually... Uh, Loss aversion is, it's universal. Exactly. <laughs> voilà. So that's, that's the kind of things we do. Mm -hmm. And then the last reason why um, advice makes sense for us is because we focus on sustainable investing. And mm -hmm. for that, being able to tell the difference between greenwashing and real impact and devising the impact that matters to you mm -hmm. uh, is not trivial. Even us as professional investors, we realize how difficult today it still is to tell facts from lies. Even though lies is a big word, it's mm. more like um, manipulation, manipulation mm. or poor data quality, actually, just that. Mm. And so for that, we're trying our best to be transparent on how we select and also to the to the shortcomings, huh? because to be honest, uh, on, on bonds, for instance, your coverage, data coverage on uh, impact related or ESG related matters mm -hmm. is between 30 and 40 percent of an average bond portfolio. Yeah. So you realize that, you know, bond funds that tell you we are sustainable, we are whatever. It's only a small part of it. It's, it's only a small part of it, mm -hmm. but it's also because in reality, it's very difficult yet to okay. have the, the information. Mm -hmm. But so that's also why you know, it's more difficult to do it yourself. You yeah. could, 
<laughs> so we're not for everybody. We we are for you know the segment that yeah. are not too hands-on investors need to be a company. But it can be still be a good start at least to exactly to, get it, to dip your or feet. for a part of your portfolio or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that's that's really uh, okay. where we position. Well, that's quite encompassing, and I think that's uh, great. And I uh, I want to wish you all the best again. Thank you very much. It, it looks promising and. I like it. I like that you take women by the hand and also other investors. So mm. it's really great. So, uh, Gail, I think we've come at the end of the show yeah. and I really want to thank you. But before I let you go, we always have our three quick fire questions. Yes. Are you ready? I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we talked uh, extensively about investing. What has been your best investment so far? My best investment so far? Um, so Investment in my family. I I, I know I we discussed this uh, to prepare. For me, uh, I see my long term wealth. If you want the mm -hmm. succession of choices I've made, yeah, and the best choice I've made. To be honest, and uh, kudos to him is my partner, mm -hmm. who has been a great support. And I'm not saying because I'm a woman, but just because I'm a working partner. So being able yeah. to have two careers is something that only works when you have children. If both are willing to put in the effort, you know, mm -hmm. in making it work. Also, I've done, I, I, I feel I have three different lives, you know, with the, I have. And mm -hmm. um, what brings me the most fulfillment and joy is, is my family, my daughters, seeing them grow and, and also how, you know, good, conscious and, and engaged citizens they are. So that's for me, it requires time. It requires commitment, sacrifices. Mm -hmm. That's my best investment. Best return as well. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. And the second question is about books. So do you have a book you can recommend to anyone? It does not need to be a financial, just yeah. a book. Like you say, read this. Uh, so I'm an avid reader. So uh, difficult to say one book. Mm -hmm. But um, lately, what's on my, um, you know, on my bed? Uh, Nightstand. Nightstand, thank you, is, um, let me reflect. Yes. There's this book about uh, climate change that from Bill Gates that I'm currently reading. Mm -hmm. Very good. So that's more on this uh, sustainability uh, passion that I have. Uh, in terms of entrepreneurship, so I'm obviously reading a lot yes. uh, about that. And one that I could mention is The Hard Thing About Hard Things. I really like this one. Mm -hmm. And then I also read some, some novels. And the last one is uh, in French, Un Instant d'Eternité, which is... Also uh, nice because completely out of, you know, business. Yes, and um, indeed, you know, I like to read business related stuff as well to money. Yeah. But I also like to alternate with some yes. uh, novel or something just to, to get your mind of things. And yeah. the book about money. Well, the one I like is The Intelligent Investor, which I'm yes. sure you, you mentioned already. Yes. Not that uh, easy for, for really newbies. Correct. Um, you have and, one for newbies. Exactly. And uh, otherwise, for newbies, that has been written by a woman, especially for women, <laughs> is the uh, I'm not broke, I'm pre-rich. Oh, okay. From Emily Bellet from Vestbot. Um, okay. And she has, it's, she's French, but based in the UK. And she's doing a lot about financial education mm -hmm. for women. Uh, you can follow her. She also has a, um, a podcast. Uh, she has a big Instagram community. So uh, yeah, she's very interesting. I, I would encourage you to follow her as yes. well. She's, okay, uh, very good. Okay, nice. And then the last one, it's always a tricky one. What is the best purchase you've made for under 100 euros? And I don't remember, because uh, I, I remember <laughs> struggling on that one. Um, my best purchase for less than 100 euro. Um, something practical that helped you? Yeah. Or something that you enjoy? Yeah, I don't remember. Like actually, I spend a lot on books. So it's probably going to be, yeah, a book. Say that, a book. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Very good. So, Gail, we talked about the Star Tailors. So the listeners and the viewers can find you at startailors.com. Yes. Actually, capitana.app is our platform if mm -hmm. you want to have a look. And yeah. um, very happy also to exchange on LinkedIn. That's yeah. probably LinkedIn. the best way to reach me. Yeah, yeah and you're quite present on uh, Instagram. I am also on Instagram, yes. We have a, um, oh, it's quite a cool, market huh? weather forecast, exactly. <laughs> yes, every Friday. Uh, yes. So um, It's my uh, my colleague, Alexandra, who does that. Uh, it's quite fun. Yeah, yeah, it's quite fun. It's, it's quite good. So, yeah, you can follow on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, very good, or the Capitana app. Okay, well, Gail, thank you very much. It was a 
pleasure. Well, thank you, Jonathan. I really enjoyed it. And uh, thanks a lot for what you're doing. I think it's super uh, needed, super useful. So um, kudos to you. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you find it useful, please make sure you share it with a friend. And as well, you can also rate the show in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow. So if you do so, thank you very much. And on that note, thank you, Francesca and Hermano, for rating the show in Apple Podcast. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And now let's move on to the key takeaways for today. Number one, facts that put women at a disadvantage financially. There's the earning potential. We talked about the pay gap plus that they follow a less linear and a less lucrative career in general. They save more proportionally, so their savings rate is higher than men in general. But since they earn less, well, in absolute terms, so in numbers, they save less. Only 10% of women invest, and all these factors combined result in a 40% capital gap at retirement. So that's quite significant. Plus, on average, they live longer. So yes, it's crucial to get educated on finance, and to make the right moves. And on that topic, there is a lack of visible role models in the financial space. And to quote Gael, you cannot be what you cannot see. Number two, there is no focus on financial education while growing up. It is not viewed as a skill. One usually learns by coincidence. You start your career, you start making money, and you need to figure it out. Number three, statistically, women very rarely negotiate their salary on the opposite of men. So, of course, this causes the pay gap to grow even further apart. So how do we bridge this gap? Well, you can investigate, you can probe and compare salaries with your colleagues to see if you're paid fairly. But of course, I understand that money and salary is taboo. So you cannot share your salary with everyone. But on the other hand, if you do not talk about it, if you do not compare those salaries, the unfair system will keep on. Number four, the hard part is to get women to start investing. But once they start, they are better investors than us men. Why is that? Because they focus on longer term investing. There is less focus on speculative investments and or trading. And on average, actually, this results in 1% to 2% better net performance than men. And last one for today. It is easy to install and to trade on an app like Bucks Zero, Trading212, Webull or Robinhood. But it does not mean that your long term goals will be met. Education is still important and key to build your confidence. And as well, we touched upon the loss aversion phenomenon. You will be two times more pissed off by losing 100 than making 200. And then specific to those apps, the more you open your app, the higher the probability that you will sell or make a wrong move. Because you know you will get those messages in your head. Oh, I am losing, I am losing. But maybe in the long haul, you're not losing. There's a dip. And in the long haul, maybe if you're in it for 20 years, 25 years, it doesn't matter at all. So go out and live your life. <laughs> so that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening. And I'll speak to you next time.